Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Today's date is August 30th. I'm Steven Masso. As always, you're listening to Via the Source. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be discussing the Miami Dolphins' preseason victory over the Cincinnati Bengals. It was a very exciting game as far as preseason standards, so we're going to be diving into that. And then a topic that a lot of people are extremely fatigued with, they don't want to hear about necessarily, it has once again resurfaced in dealing with the Miami Dolphins. It's the Deshaun Watson topic. We're going to be talking about it. Again, I know people are tired of hearing about it, so if you don't want to hear about it, you can end the episode before. Before we get there, but that is also going to be discussed in today's episode. So first, we're going to begin with the Dolphins' huge victory over the Cincinnati Bengals. Again, a very exciting preseason victory. Important to note from the Dolphins' end, you didn't really have many of the starters playing for Miami. For Cincinnati's end, you had a few, which I will discuss now briefly, because Joe Burrow was back. He ended up getting the start, but he had only three snaps in this game. It was an approach that led to a lot of people uh, criticizing. Sizing Zach Taylor. They thought it was very bizarre. He didn't necessarily do anything. Overall, I'm not sure if this was for a feel standpoint to get his confidence up, but overall, I have to admit it was a little bit bizarre seeing Joe Burrow out there for three pretty meaningless snaps. Now, uh, running back Joe Mixon was also in there a little bit uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals, as well as wide receiver Tyler Boyd. Important to note here for the Cincinnati Bengals, wide receiver Jamar Chase, who's gotten off to an absolutely horrific start throughout training camp in the preseason. He's dropped four of his five targets. There's also been some rumored off-the-field issues with Jamar Chase. I don't know if that's affecting him. He also took a year off of football, so maybe he's just kind of acclimating and getting back to... uh, back in the flow of things but in this game we saw a little bit more of that it seemed like they gave him a little screen pass you know get the ball in his hands get his confidence up a little bit but he ended up dropping the pass I will say Nick Needham was there so maybe he was hearing some of the footsteps but it's reaching a point now where even though I had Jamar Chase extremely high on my board I wanted him so bad for Miami I thought he was the best receiver available the concern now is entering that realm where it might be a little bit real I think it is a little bit concerning at this point seeing him still struggle with dropping the passes hopefully he doesn't have a case of the yips or anything and it's just a mental block but right now it's not looking good for Jamar Chase Now, to move over here to the Dolphins' side of the ball, as mentioned, not a lot of starters here for Miami offensively. The quarterback here was Reed Sinnott. He was the lone quarterback in this game, and man, did he put on an absolute show in this one. 22 for 33, 343 yards passing, two touchdowns, and he did throw an interception. For his interception, it came on a pass that was kind of misplaced to Kirk Merritt, ended up bouncing off of his hands into the hands of a Bengals defender, But outside of that, a pretty glowing performance from Reed Sinnott. He didn't necessarily have the greatest of blockings, especially over there at right tackle. Uh, Larnell Coleman was really struggling to keep his man, which led to Reed Sinnott kind of scrambling all over the place. He connected with wide receiver Kirk Merritt on an awesome 44-yard pass uh, down the left sideline. It was awesome, just a beautiful throw. And then even more awesome, the play that you probably heard about by now, he connected on a Hail Mary to seal the game for Miami and give him the victory. He threw this pass with just over a minute left, scrambled around a bit, looking like Eli Manning in that Super Bowl victory over New England, and was able to look downfield, point to his man, and connect with Chris Myrick on that touchdown reception. 34-yard catch, 
Overall, an amazing play. It was impressive enough to see Myrick catch the ball and get his feet in bounds, and then for Sinnott to be able to look downfield, take a big hit, but also connect on the pass. Just an overall exciting day, which has prompted people to kind of speculate a little bit. Well, will the Dolphins keep them? Are they going to keep three quarterbacks? A lot of people are saying it's not likely, but one thing that is definitely a lot more likely is if he is not with the Dolphins, he might be with another team. And that's awesome to hear about. The guy seems to be awesome. The team uh, the team around him loves him. And we're talking about generational wealth, so I'm never going to root against a guy just because he's not with the Dolphins. If he could find a home somewhere else and rake in a ton of cash, then I'm happy for him. Now, we move on here to the running back situation. Another little area where you have a little bit of competition, so there is some value here. Rookie running back, sixth round pick, Jared Dokes got the majority of the work here. 16 carries, 56 yards. That ends up being 3.5 yards a carry so that's not absolutely mind-blowing and then he had two touchdowns in this game was able to punch it in on those red zone opportunities so overall a pretty solid performance I would say from Jared Dokes I don't think I'm as excited about it as some people are on Twitter but overall I mean it was a pretty solid performance given that what we've seen before wasn't necessarily uh, terrific Uh, Jordan Scarlett also had a pretty good day he had four carries for 12 yards but more so he was involved in the passing game where he had two catches for 29 yards and that seemed to be where he really thrived and then we also had Patrick Laird of course who's uh, always been involved in the passing game he had three catches for 28 yards so as we discuss this kind of running back competition towards the tail end who's going to make the team who's not uh, as I mentioned I see a lot of people very excited about Jared Dokes emphasizing his power saying that he looks better than Malcolm Brown and would be better in that spot I don't necessarily agree with that stance I still think that Malcolm Brown's a more explosive player I do think Dokes had an opportunity here against some second and third string guys, uh, you know, to hit a home run, and he didn't necessarily do that in this chance. So overall, I still think Malcolm Brown is going to be the team's power running back. I think Savon Ahmed, of course, has a spot locked up given his prowess as a receiving back and his necessity to kind of fill that spot if anything were to happen with Miles Gaskin. And I don't think Jared Dokes necessarily offers any uh, element that the team needs. You know, I mean, if uh, Malcolm Brown were to go down, I'm sure we just see a little bit more of Miles Gaskin in those obvious run situations, maybe Savon Ahmed. And then when I think it comes to Patrick Laird, I would say is even more dynamic in terms of what he offers in Jared Dokes in terms of his ability in the receiving game, his ability on special teams. I don't think that uh, Jared Dokes and his ability as more of a power runner is going to guarantee him a spot by any means on this team. Now, we move on to the receiving guys here for Miami. Kirk Merritt, once again, an absolutely awesome day for him. He had three catches, 72 yards. As I mentioned, he had that big 44-yard reception where he beat his man, found him along the left sideline. And then he also had another reception where he was tackled right there on the goal line. But overall, back-to-back games now with touchdowns for from Kirk Merritt. Malcolm Perry also had a very strong outing. Four catches, 69 yards. Again, like last week, we saw Malcolm Perry involved in the middle of the field, kind of as a safety valve, an extremely reliable guy, even though he is going to take a big hit. He's able to secure the ball and even pick up some extra yards after it. Have to love what I saw from Malcolm Perry. And then Khalil McLean, a good performance with 
57 yards, as well as Kyle Loxley with 46 yards receiving. Overall, though, the two guys here that I think worthy of being mentioned are Kirk Merritt and Malcolm Perry. I'll start with Malcolm Perry. Uh, I don't think he's going to make the team, unfortunately, just a victim of it being a very crowded receiver room. Overall, I think I'm very impressed with his ability as kind of being that reliable receiver. It's a shame that I don't think he's going to have the opportunity to be the team's Julian Edelman like a lot of us hoped he would be, but I still think that his skill set looks impressive. Uh, and as for Kirk Merritt, though, this is a different story. I think Kirk Merritt has the upside to warrant him being on the 53-man roster. That might be a little bit biased of me to say because if you remember back last year, that was one of the L's that I took. I was very big on Kirk Merritt. I had a whole segment of an episode dedicated to talking about how much of an athletic specimen he was and how he was going to be a big star and then and, uh, nothing ended up happening. But overall, I think just the absolute athletic dominance this guy showcases warrants him being on a 53-man roster. Whether it's with the Dolphins or with another team, I think he is going to be playing on some real regular season snaps for some team this upcoming season because he is just, athletically, he is that good. And I wouldn't mind at this point uh, putting him in there over a guy like Jakeem Grant. I know Jakeem Grant has that specialty on special teams, but I don't know if it necessarily outweighs what I think Kirk Merritt could do. But more importantly, I think Preston Williams, who's been battling through injuries, hasn't been able to really stay on the field, I wouldn't be surprised if Kirk Merritt takes his spot. Now, I'm not going to go and flat out say that I expect Kirk Merritt to be on the team. That's just me being hopeful of what happens because I wouldn't be shocked at all if he doesn't. But at the end of the day, if he gets picked over Preston Williams, that's not something that I would necessarily be mad at. I Honestly, I would be a little bit excited about what Kirk Merritt could offer to the team. Now, as for the defensive side of the ball here, there's a few guys that are worthy of being mentioned. And the first one here is going to be uh, Nick Needham, the defensive back. He's been stringing together a few solid games. Of course, last year he was also pretty impressive given our expectations of what he would be. So I think Nick Needham overall continues to impress. When I saw him out there in this game, he just struck me as somebody who shouldn't be up against third stringers, right? He looked like somebody who is a, a professional starter in this league. I don't know if that's a little bit too early of me to say, but he has that swagger to him. He looks like he knows he is better than the guy across from him now when he was up against these third string guys and guys who aren't likely going to be on the team. He laid out a vicious hit in the secondary. As I mentioned with the Jamar Chase play, he was right there ready to make a play on that as well. Overall, I am loving what Nick Needham is offering. I think the Dolphins might have a little bit, I don't know if it'll be a dilemma, but something that I'm definitely going to be watching because as we all know, currently Justin Coleman is listed as the primary nickelback where Nick Needham originally played. And then of course, uh, on the outside. You have Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. I think Nick Needham has been playing well enough where he needs to be on the field at times, and it's going to be very interesting to see how he's incorporated into this defense. Now, as for another guy in the secondary, Noah Igbenogany, I will say, had a big pass breakup on the last play of the game that's to, that sealed the victory for Miami, but outside of that, overall, I'm still pretty concerned when it comes to Noah Igbenogany. He hasn't strung together those solid performances back-to-back. -back. It seems like he still gets picked on on occasion and overall I think it's enough to be a little bit concerning that he may never become what he was supposed to be. It's reaching that point for me. Even though it's early, even though it's only his second year, it seems like the Dolphins secondary has too many guys that are better than him right now that I can't really see, barring any sort of injury, where he is going to be getting some sort of valuable snaps in this defense without being a liability to the team. So that's just currently where I'm at right now. Uh, Duke 
Riley, the linebacker, overall, uh, he didn't have the greatest day. He got burned on this one wheel route by uh, the Bengals running back. Chris Evans ended up being a huge touchdown play. And then we also saw a little bit of rookie Jalen Phillips who got in there in the backfield, laid a nice hit on the quarterback, so that was good to see. But outside of that, wasn't the uh, most glowing performance from the defense. The major takeaway, again, for me, uh, was looking at the secondary at guys like Nick Needham and Noah Igbenogany. So to summarize the game, again, a very exciting game, considering it was just a preseason game. Reed Sinnott put on an absolute show. He was fun to watch. I see people all over Dolphins Twitter and other social media sites just loving this guy, which is awesome to see. Wish him the best, whether it's with the Dolphins or with another team. I am very happy to see him put on an absolute show in this game. Now, we move on here to the Deshaun Watson topic. And as I mentioned earlier, it's a topic that is very clearly to some people either emotionally distressing or they're fatigued. They just don't want to hear about it. A lot of people get very angry. So if you already know at this point that you don't want to hear more about Deshaun Watson, maybe you've heard enough, you've seen it all over Twitter, it's fine to end the episode here. I completely understand. But it is a major headline in the NFL right now, and it must be discussed. Of course, it pertains especially directly with the Dolphins currently. And also, I want to offer one final disclaimer because the last time I talked about Deshaun Watson, frankly, every time I bring him up, I get an absurd amount of hate directed my way. And I really want to emphasize, if I say something like Deshaun Watson was a top five quarterback in 2020, that has no correlation to my feelings of optimism about Tua and his future. If I say Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL, that doesn't mean I think less of Tua. If I say Aaron Rodgers is the second best, that doesn't mean I think less of Tua. If I say Dak Prescott had a terrific season before his injury, that doesn't mean I think less of Tua. So the same way if I say Deshaun Watson was a top five quarterback last year, that doesn't mean that I am all of a sudden off the Tua bandwagon or I hate Tua because I was getting a ton of those comments. So for a little bit of background here in regards to this whole situation, it began when the Eagles made a trade acquiring Gardner Minshew from the Jacksonville Jaguars. This pertains to Watson because the Eagles were listed as one of the front runners reportedly in wanting to make a trade for Watson. So once that was off the table, a new report coincidentally right at the same time came up and it said the Dolphins were now the front runners to landing Watson. Now as for me and many other people across social media it seems like we all had the same take and it was that this was somebody in the Texans camp trying to make value out of nothing to create a fake competition between teams get the leverage in their hands maybe get his value up uh, just because the story really came out the same time the Eagles were out of the picture. So whether that was trying to get the Dolphins to make an offer, whether it was trying to get uh, a team like the Panthers to make an offer. To me, the way that story coincided with the Gardner Minshew trade just seemed like a whole bunch of fluff and it was coming out of nowhere and I wasn't buying into it. But then over the course of the next few days, we saw more and more reports tying Watson back to the Dolphins because before then, the story would kind of disappear and it would arise again and it would disappear. Well, then it was reignited even more so when Drew Rose Rosenhaus said the Dolphins are actually working on a deal to get Deshaun Watson to Miami. A lot of people heard about that yesterday and they were freaking out. And then yesterday there was a press conference after the game. Brian Flores was asked a question about Deshaun Watson. A lot of people were hopeful about uh, Brian Flores entering this opportunity and just completely shutting down all these rumors.
rumors about Deshaun Watson going to the Dolphins, and that didn't happen. Brian Flores basically just said that the talks about that are remaining internal within the organization. But he also went on to say, I'm very confident in Tua. He's done a lot of good things this spring, this offseason. He played well last week. A lot of people are not concerned with this, but there were also a good amount of people who were very concerned with this idea that he didn't put out the flames and he didn't shut down this rumor entirely when he had the opportunity. So there's a chance by the time you're listening to this, there's even more news. Maybe Brian Flores spoke and offered more, or maybe there was a new report. But if you're asking me, and I said this the last time we talked about Watson on this podcast, that I can't see any team, whether it's the Dolphins or any other team, making a trade with these allegations that are very serious and very heinous that are currently pending against Deshaun Watson. I can't see any team willing to embark on what is going to be a very treacherous PR nightmare in this instance and risk angering their entire fan base. Because I will say, I don't think I've ever seen Dolphin fans so angry about the idea of something as they are right now about Deshaun Watson. I've read countless comments, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on Reddit, saying that there are people who will not support the team anymore. They've followed them for two decades now, but they will not support them if the team makes a trade for Deshaun Watson. And that frankly says a lot. Now, I will say I've seen people uh, suggesting that maybe a team could make a trade for Watson with the idea in mind that there is some conditional elements that Deshaun Watson either has to start or he has to play a certain number of games in order for that compensation to arrive for the Texans end. So maybe that makes it a little bit more feasible, but overall at the end of the day, I just can't see any team embarking on this amount of risk. As I mentioned before, there was a ton of risk involved giving up that amount of draft capital, giving up on a guy who you drafted with the fifth overall pick, right? There was some risk. Some would argue whether it was good or not. I said uh, back when I talked about it that if the Dolphins were more interested in winning in the immediate future, that sure, Deshaun Watson would make more sense. Of course, I said that before the allegations. But at the same time, I acknowledge that there was some inherent risk there. This is an absurd amount of risk when there is a guy with 20 plus allegations pending that could cost him ever touching a football field again. That is in an entirely different realm of the word risk. And of course, Tua Tungavailoa, it's unfortunate that he's kind of caught in the middle of all of this because he has done absolutely nothing that would warrant a team giving up on him, right? He has been an outstanding player. He's been an outstanding person. The team around him loves him. He didn't have the absolute best rookie season, but aside from that, he is trending upwards. He is right on track of, I think, where he should be. He's definitely improved having a full training camp in a preseason now. So it's unfortunate that he's caught in the middle of all of this and I could understand why fans would be frustrated uh, with the team willing to give up on him with a guy who is in an entirely opposite end of the spectrum in terms of where his character's at. Now, lastly, something I said on the last time I talked about Watson also is, again, I am not the jury in this case. I'm not the judge. I don't know uh, anything more than the average person does when it comes to the reports of where everything stands in terms of the legal side of things. That's all I know. I'm not rooting for any sort of outcome, whether it's him being innocent, whether it's him being guilty, 
guilty. The only proper outcome I'm rooting for is for justice to be served, whether that means at the end of the day that he can play football again, whether that means he's barred from the league forever. I just want justice to be served. I'm not rooting for any sort of outcome. But at the end of the day, it seems like this topic is going to be with the Dolphins until they completely shut it down and say that Tua is our guy and they want nothing to do with Watson. So, Keep your eye on them making some sort of big statement like that over the course of the next few days. And if not, just buckle up because this may end up being a wild ride. So guys, that is how I'm going to wrap up today's episode. As always, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so. That is at ShadySteven. If you haven't already, make sure to follow the Twitter page for the podcast. That is at via the source where I tweet more of the football related stuff. If you could leave a review, if you like the episode, feel free to do so. That would help a ton. If there are any any topics, things that you'd like for me to discuss in a future episode, uh, feel free to reach out to me and I would gladly do so in the next episode. But guys, that is how I'm going to end the episode. Until next time, I'm Steve Amasso and this was Via the Source.